Welcome to the Wicked Good Momcast, a podcast for Boston moms by Boston moms, a space to hear stories from real moms, to celebrate the beauty of motherhood and to normalize its challenges. Motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You are a Wicked Good Mom. And now here are your Wicked Good Momcast hosts, Shannon and Megan. This season of the Wicked Good Momcast is brought to you by our partners at Boston Ballet School, the only ballet school in New England affiliated with Boston Ballet, a world-renowned ballet company whose internationally acclaimed repertoire ranges from classical to Balanchine masterworks to premieres by today's finest choreographers. Boston Ballet School believes ballet is for everyone and is dedicated to providing an inclusive environment with classes for all ages, abilities, and household incomes. Visit bostonballet.org backslash education to enroll your child this fall. Hi, friends. I just had an incredible conversation with today's guest, Bryce Reddy. You may have considered how much screen time your kids are getting, what age they should have a phone, or even if they should be on social media. But have you thought about your own social media consumption? Many of you know Bryce from her popular Instagram account, Mom Brain Therapist. She is sharing with us how she shifted her entire platform to support moms through digital wellness. And what she found was that parents, herself included, were much happier, calmer, and less anxious when they set stronger boundaries around their own social media use and screen time. This conversation is fascinating, and I am so glad you are here to listen in. Bryce Reddy is a New England-based licensed mental health counselor, mom of three, and self-proclaimed recovering influencer. After spending a few years creating mental health and parenting content on Instagram, she started to wonder just how helpful all this time on phones and social media platforms really was for parents and their mental health, herself included. With a background in addiction treatment and maternal mental health, Bryce has shifted her work to support parents in reevaluating their relationship with parenting social media, and their phones so that they can feel more present, connected, and happy in the here and now of their offline lives. Bryce, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I am thrilled. So I mentioned this to you in our initial email that I started following you probably five years ago. I Mm -hmm. had a newborn. I had just had my second child. And I don't even know how I stumbled on your account. You know how the algorithm works. It popped up. (laughs) <laughs> and I think what stood out to me were you you create these really great graphics. Um, and they're all around motherhood and mental health, obviously. And I do know that you are the person who taught me. Um, I think there was one that it was like, am I really an angry mom or do I have unmet needs was the one that jumped out to me. Yes. So that like drew me in immediately. And then Another thing that you still do are these really cool discussion questions that we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. um, and like polls that moms can participate in. So I am uh, truly, truly grateful to be sitting here talking to you because even though we haven't met, you've been very influential in my life in a positive way. (laughs) Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted you to talk to us first about what was your social media strategy when you first started out? 
Oh my gosh. You know what? I don't think I had a strategy. One day I just was like, I think I'm going to make a, you know, a social media account. This is what I'm going to do. And I just literally, which is not my style at all. Like I'm not like, I'm a pretty private person. Like mm-hmm. that had never been something I've done before. And I literally just started like making graphics. Like I saw the stuff that was intriguing to me and the stuff, like the visual stuff that I liked. And I started making them and posting them. And it kind of, really spoke to kind of a need, like a creative outlet I had needed mm-hmm. probably for myself. Like mm-hmm. I was also postpartum with my second child at the time. And, um, and I, you know, I wasn't working at that time as like a mental health counselor. I was still out on like maternity leave and it really just kind of filled the need for myself in a lot of ways. And then I kind of started getting this feedback and growing and it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, at this point, I believe you have over 240,000 followers on Instagram. Something like that. I'm not even sure. Yeah. Big number. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. Sometimes even I'm like, oh, my God, like, how did that even happen? Because I mean, right now I don't put so much energy into it. But way back when I used to put a lot of energy into it. And, you know, it was a lot of hard work went into kind of creating it. But at the same time, it's still still surprising. Yeah, I think it speaks to you clearly hit on something that moms were looking for. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I think I do. I think that's how it kind of all started. And I think the insight that therapists in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of therapists on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think therapists in a way have um, kind of a lucky view of humanity and people in general is that you know, we see how much everyone has in common, you know, and that's something I would hear again and again is people being like, how did you know that? You know me so well. And like, you don't even know me. And um, I'm like, you guys, we are all so much more alike than different. You know, it's the same things we hear over and over again. So creating content is speaks to that, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's so true. Um, So I mentioned earlier your discussion questions and polls And I remember vividly like sitting in the middle of the night trying to keep myself awake. And I would pull up, I think on like maybe Saturdays, it was like a weekend thing. Um, And I'd be like nursing my son and doing like polls (laughs) on your Instagram. So talk to me, maybe explain to anyone who doesn't already know um, how you kind of asked for these questions and set up the poll and kind of how that took off. Yeah, so I've been doing it every weekend for a long time. And it's kind of the one thing that I've kept doing, you know, Mm -hmm. over time, even when I've stepped back from other things, because I think like you, so many people, myself included, kind of got into this routine with them, you know, and doing them as a way to kind of, I think, like feel connected or ask things that um, they otherwise wouldn't have the chance to do. So um, I put up a question box every single week and I ask people for a yes or no, either or question. And I receive a lot of questions based on like really people just wondering um, kind of what other people are dealing with or wondering if they're alone, wonder if they're the only person dealing with something and just stuff that wouldn't come up in normal everyday conversations, I guess. Absolutely. Why do you think those polls are so popular? I think they're a great reminder that we are more connected than we think we are. And, you know, going back to what I was saying about kind of the therapy Instagram um, is that there there is so much more we all have in common than than ways that we're different. And I think it's very easy, especially in parenthood, to feel really isolated and alone and to feel like you're the only person dealing with something, whereas you can go on and say something 
pretty like super specific or ask a very specific question and you'll never just be the only person, you know, and there's something about that that's really reassuring, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to being able to ask a question to a group while remaining anonymous. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There is a huge element of anonymity there. Right. You know, because a lot of questions are very personal and there's stuff that like you couldn't just ask like a mom at the playground. Right. You know, so (laughs) there is something about that, you know. I yeah. agree with you 100%. for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's really interesting to me, kind of the shift that your platform has taken. Um, mm. And something I was thinking about in preparing for this interview, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about social media exposure for our kids and yeah. how healthy is that? What age should they have access to screens? How long should they be on their screens each day? But we don't talk a lot about parent consumption. which is kind of what you have shifted um, and started doing. So what was the turning point when you realized you wanted to make this shift towards supporting parents through digital wellness? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely not like the most popular topic, especially on social media, right? (laughs) You know, like people don't want to talk about that. Um, But I think first and foremost, it started with me, you know, um, I always tell this story when I do groups that, I was trying to post something on my stories, my Instagram stories one day, and I was doing it. And my son, who I think was seven at the time, was trying to ask me a question. And I was losing my patience with him. I was like, what do you need? I'm like, I am busy. I am doing something. And he like screamed back at me and he was like, Instagram's not important. I'm important. And I clicked off my phone and I put it down and I was like, okay, (laughs) you are correct. I apologize. You know, it really stopped me in my tracks because that is, you know, what I realized I was telling my kids in many ways is that I was staring at my phone and investing this time, um, prioritizing this social media world, which was also a business and is a business and, Mm -hmm. you know, is a valid way to spend my time but I was prioritizing it over them in many instances. And it was just a huge wake up call for me to adjust my own technology relationship, especially with social media. And I learned a lot about myself through that process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I can't imagine that there's a mom listening to this who hasn't had that situation where I know my kids have gotten upset with me. And even just today, Um, This was even kind of more heartbreaking to me than if my kid had yelled at me, but I was playing with my son. We were playing with toys and I had just posted something to the Boston mom social account. And of course, like my phone is lighting up and it's stinging and I'm distracted. And at one point, like I got a notification, I picked up my phone and my four-year-old kind of under his breath goes, not again. And I know. And I was like, I, you know, said, is it bothering you that I keep checking my phone? And he said, yeah, we're, we're trying to play. And I said, you know what? I'm going to like turn it off, put it down. You have my sole focus at this point. So I know that's a very common thing, but again, I just don't feel like it's something that we're always talking about. Yeah. Cause I think there's also kind of some outside shame that people, parents get, especially Mm -hmm. for looking at their phones, right? There's all this like, Oh, they're always looking at their phones at the playground or doing whatever. And like, you know, I never want parents to feel like they can't use their phones because like I still use my phone, obviously, like I still post on social media, but it was really just a kind of wake up call that it was adding an extra level of chaos to my life. And 
it is something I actually was seeing when I started to talk about it. And when I started talking with parents, I was working with like clinically and therapy or whatever, you know, it was something I was seeing through them as well. You know, Mm -hmm. that there's introduction to the phone was added of phoned into like certain situations Mm -hmm. was adding an extra level of chaos and, you know, frustration for ourselves and lack of patience for ourselves. And I thought it was pretty notable and, you know, just seeing the differences it was making for me, it felt really important to talk about it. Yeah. So what is your Instagram like now that you've kind of made this change? Yeah. So it's like definitely doesn't get much attention. (laughs) So I really was motivated over, it's probably been like a two year process at this point. You know, I've been really motivated to, um, you know, create a business and create a life for myself that does not revolve around Instagram. And um, I just wasn't willing to kind of invest more of my time and energy in it anymore. And I think some people in my business circle (laughs) have told me I was not smart to do that. (laughs) But I really feel like I'm better off with a limited relationship in the online space. And um, so grappling with that has been challenging and kind of figuring out what that relationship looks like has been kind of an evolution in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you what you think it is about social media that keeps us coming back for more. Wow. Well, I mean, I think it's inherently addictive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many different ways that it kind of keeps us wanting to click and scroll and do all the things. Right. But I think from like a parenting lens, I think that the world of, um, you know, parenting social media in general, which we all know, it's all those like the advice and the scripts and all this stuff. You know, I think parenthood is a time of real, like kind of fear and uncertainty in a lot of ways. Like we don't really know what we're doing. We're kind of making it up as we go. Mm-hmm. And we all want to do a good job. And I think in a lot of ways, parenting social media sells us this idea that there is tips and hacks and um, certainty available for often a price, right? You Mm -hmm. know, that we, if we keep coming back for more, like, it'll make this easier. We'll have a great relationship with our kids. Like our, you know, we'll do a good, a quote unquote, good job. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's appealing, right? You know, like who wouldn't want to come back, you know, again and again, if we feel like, parenting social media holds these secrets that we're all kind of looking for. Right. So I think that's part of what I see in terms of like the push pull of parenting social media. Yeah, no, I totally see that too. And again, like we were saying earlier, the connection too, because I feel like we're all kind of in the dark trying to figure it out. And so when you are able to connect with someone like, you know, that, that would keep you coming back as well, I would imagine. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think that's kind of one of the benefits that's hard to kind of grapple with. Like there is community on social media. And I mean, I myself have friends with like fellow creators or friendships with fellow creators that I've met online, right? You know, like there is that connection there. But I, you know, I always also try and like look back to is like there's connection and there's also disconnection, mm-hmm. you know, so often we're investing our time, energy and our attention into these online worlds or engaging in comment sections or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have to wonder, too, like, is there an expense to our offline lives if we're meeting some need in this online space? Are we kind of not seeking 
relationships offline, you know, because there's a lot of safety in online relationships, especially with like content creators, you know, like we can come and go as we please. We can watch them and feel connected, even though we're not really technically connected. Right. You know, like, um, so I don't know, there's, it's, it's complicated, right? There's a whole kind of like web, which makes it so much more challenging than to say like, oh, just get off social media and never go back on because there are benefits. But we also have to kind of like weigh those pros and cons. Yeah, I think that's such a good point that maybe it's important even to check in with yourself and what need do you have that you are fulfilling through social media? Um, Like what's your motive, your personal motive for coming back over and over again? Yeah, there's this um, one of the things I teach all the time is, you know, to ask yourself to really pause before you click on the app or enter the app. And say, like, what am I looking for? Am I looking for a distraction? Am I looking to feel less alone? Am I looking to laugh? Like, am I looking to whatever? But really to kind of do these, take these opportunities to check in with yourself about what you're looking for in this app, um, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And really get clear on that. Did you know that nearly one in five mothers and one in 10 fathers experience anxiety or depression between conception and one year post-birth? Parent Wellness Group is a collective of seasoned clinicians who are passionate about supporting parents as they navigate the challenges that come with raising a family. Serving both Massachusetts and Rhode Island, the team of therapists who are all parents themselves provide individual, couples, and group therapy in addition to parent coaching. Get the help you need and schedule a consult today at parentwellnessgroup.com. Well, I wanted to ask you too, what are some signs that social media might be doing us more harm than good or some signs that maybe we need a little break from it? Yeah. So I think there's so much, you know, um, I think a lot about comparison. So like how often, you know, doing these check-ins with yourself, like I mentioned a second ago, like when you enter the app while you're scrolling and when you exit the app. And really kind of like thinking about how your time on social media is impacting like your thoughts, your feelings, your moods, et cetera. And, you know, areas I like to focus on are this idea of comparison, like, oh, this parent is doing this or this kid is reading and my kid is like, doesn't know their letters. Like, you know, how much are you comparing? Because we have so many more opportunities to do that on social Mm -hmm. media than we do um, seeing another parent at, you know school pickup or whatever, you know, like we don't really know what's going on in their lives, but like, I see, you know, this person on Instagram who's sharing all these details. So it's very easy to kind of get stuck in that comparison trap, um, to also check in with kind of how much, um, how many people you're inviting into your brain Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, with advice. So I always think about it as like too many, are there too many cooks in your kitchen? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in this day and age of social media, parenting education, we are getting very, um, we're following like tons and tons of people, like dozens of people. Right. And I think what I hear so often when I work with parents is that they're kind of becoming disconnected with their own personal wisdom of their self and their child mm-hmm. and um, and how that disconnection is impacting them and making them kind of feel less confident um, as parents mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, ironically, because they're seeking all of this parenting yeah. education. Um, and I think also, you know, the final thing I want to speak to is kind of social media speaks to pain points. 
and it mm-hmm. speaks to the hard things in parenting and very it's a very kind of I always think of it like sticky mud you know like if we're going online in these parenting spaces all the time um you know I don't want to say like complaints, but like the hard stuff about parenting gets the most attention. You know, I would yes. focus, <laughs> I would post stuff on like gratitude and it would get like 200 likes. Like yeah. nobody wanted to hear, yeah. it, you know, yeah. but I would talk about <laughs> anger and other stuff and there I'd get go. like 10,000 <laughs> likes, right? Yeah. Like there, you know, and of course those conversations all have like valid, you know, it's valid. Like we want to talk about the hard stuff because there's very few opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you are scrolling all day long and seeing stuff about, you know, about the hard stuff, like it's very hard to kind of transition back to your offline life Mm -hmm. and not be um, super hyper-focused on looking for the stuff that's hard. So you know, I think kind of really just checking in, like I said, again and again, you know, of how are these behaviors I have in the online space impacting my offline life and being honest with yourself about how much that's happening, whether it's your relationships, how you feel and look at your offline life and going from there. And that's kind of like a super individual thing that I think is going to be different for all of us. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation so much. And yeah, I wanted to ask too, um, are you, re- are you seeing that parents really are happier with less social media in their lives? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't speak for obviously everyone, but I always like to bring it back to myself because originally this was like my own personal experiment mm-hmm. and I am a happier person without social media. A hundred percent. Like I feel less chaotic. I feel less overwhelmed. I feel less all these things. But I mean, I still go on social media, obviously, like I'm in my buy nothing groups on Facebook and like (laughs) I still go on Instagram, mostly only on the weekends. Like I try to take the entire work week off um, as much as possible, you know, while still kind of like maintaining some sort of online presence. Um, So, you know, I feel happier and the longer I've been off of it, the harder it is for me to go back. Like it's a lot of kind of effort for me to click on the app and it's like almost this, um, like gut reaction. Like I almost feel like a little, I feel like my nervous system reacting, like I feel more anxious and I feel kind of just more kind of scattered and on alert and no, sitting with that and really kind of taking a look at myself first and foremost and saying like, wow, like the less I'm on there, like the better I feel and the harder it is for me to go back. And, you know, that's something I'm also hearing from the people that do my challenges or follow me um, through a newsletter I have, you know, is that the more you're away, the harder it is to go back. Because I think in a lot of ways we recognize that it's been hard on us, right? you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of feels like an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do we achieve the balance of connecting and disconnecting from technology? Yeah. So obviously like, you know, knowing when, um, when it's doing more harm than good or whatever. I mean, it's all such a unique conversation for each of us because like what's right for my mental health, what's right for your mental health are all going to look like different things. Um, And I think, you know, starting out, the place I recommend is really just kind of setting boundaries about like when you're going to get on in the first thing in the morning, like Mm -hmm. giving yourself like check-in times for social media, giving yourself scrolling limits, um, really being like a consultant, conscious consumer of content, like going into the app and really being honest with yourself about like what you're doing there, Mm -hmm. 
how this content is impacting you and, you know, acting accordingly. So like following or unfollowing certain content and, um, and really getting clear on kind of what you want from it. Right. You know, like, are you there to learn? Are you there to find joy? Are you there to, um, you know, connect with other people, whether, you know, hopefully people that, you know, from your offline life. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think people, I still go on Instagram. I still, I don't have TikTok, but like I watch reels on Facebook sometimes when Mm -hmm. I'm on there, um, late at night, if like one of my kids is up sick or something like that. Um, and you know, I always, people are always like, oh, what like parenting social media people do you follow? And I'm like, oh my God, in my personal account, I've like follow people who have like raccoons as pets and like <laughs> bearded dragons, like who yeah. wear hats or something. Like yeah. it, it, I'm there purely for the joy, purely yeah. for stuff that makes me smile, for stuff that like brings me happiness and like makes me feel alive. And seeking advice and stuff on social media like does not do that for me at this point. And I am just, in it for those positive reasons. And I can have a positive relationship with social media, watching someone decorate cakes. And I cannot have a positive relationship with social media, watching other types of content that are, you know, bring me down, you know, in a lot of ways, whether they make me anxious or kind of make me more addicted to act in a more addicted way. When I feel like what I'm hearing you say is kind of once you've figured out for yourself what your motive is to get on social media, it makes that time more intentional and less, I'm sorry, less mindless. Yeah, definitely. And I think less fear-based. You know, I think so much of parents' time on social media is rooted in fear. It's Mm -hmm. rooted in thinking we're not doing good enough and rooted in feeling like I have to consume, consume, consume to be good enough, to be worthy enough to do this job and to do it well. And for me, flipping that script that like I am enough without all of the other extra noise that was coming at me 24 seven in that space. Um, and instead using it for things that like, I think it was meant for, which is kind of like that entertainment that uh, like fun stuff, you know, which is what that fills me up more than, you know, and makes, and I can get off following the people with raccoons or whatever, like random (laughs) stuff. I can like click off after 15 minutes and it's no big deal. But when I was like, scrolling with that fear-based kind of mindset, I was, you know, spending hours online a day. Whereas now I can, I spend like five minutes a day on Instagram or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. If anything. So yeah. Something I was thinking about one of our Boston moms writers several years ago, she wrote a post about like limiting social media or something along those lines. And one of the things she suggested that I did for a while, and I haven't done this recently, she turned off all of her app notifications. Because if it's not notifying you, if it's not constantly like getting in front of your face, you don't feel the need to like be checking it or like have it right by you all the time. Um, And I, again, tried that a couple of years ago. It was such a good practice. And I feel like that's helpful too. And trying to find that balance, like it's still there, but it's not like forcing itself on you. Yeah, it's not luring you back yeah. again and again and yes. again because like it's human nature when we get a new to- a notification like it's like Pavlov's dogs like I hear like a text alert and I'm like I gotta go look I gotta exactly. look even if it's in the other room like I was outside blowing bubbles with my kids <laughs> and I usually have my phone on do not disturb because I like hate the noise of it but I had my alerts were off and um or my notifications were on I should say so I heard a ding from like 
from my backyard. Yeah. And I immediately wanted to like stop what I was doing to walk into my house to go check who sent me a text message. And I was like, wow. Like, and you feel that physically, right? Like you feel that like in your, like in my chest, right? Like I feel my heartbeat. I feel that like alert. Right. Mm -hmm. And that urge to go. And I really had to like talk myself down to go check what the message was. And, um, you know, thinking that we were having this conversation later in the day, it was something I wanted to kind of touch on, you know, is that how powerful our phones are and how much they are impacting kind of every part of our lives, positively and negatively. Mm -hmm. And it's really just about kind of finding what works for us to have a relationship with them. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation and I'm wondering, can you tell us about the social media challenges that you offer and how listeners can continue to learn from you after the show? Oh, for sure. So I um, have a 14 day social media phone, if you will, challenge called mm-hmm. over the influence and it is all um, email based. So every day for 14 days, participants get a lesson and kind of um, a task to complete. So it's either you know, figuring out how to do something differently with your phone use. Um, So that goes on for 14 days. And then there's some kind of bonus lessons that kind of come after that about kind of coping with, um, you know, modeling phone habits for our kids and like Mm. joy scrolling, just like fun little things to kind of keep it going. So that is one thing I do. And then I also have a newsletter that comes out twice a week called Unfollowed. And that is over on Substack. So I publish on Tuesdays and Fridays and it's fairly new, but I talk about um, kind of like my own transition out of uh, off social media and like my own transition, like from being more of an influencer to kind of looking at the space more critically and how it is impacting parents, because I think it is having a huge impact on parents, whether we like to talk about it or not. And um, so kind of explain exploring those topics and why it's so hard to step back from parenting social media. Um, But the reasons why I think it might be helpful if we did. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, we will definitely link all of your contact information and your website and the show notes on bostonmoms.com. And Bryce, at the end of every show, we ask all of our guests the same question. So I wanted to ask you, what are you loving about raising a family in greater Boston right now? Oh my gosh. So I love that within like 90 minutes of my house, I can do so many different things. Like I could be out to P-Town. I could be up in like in the city. I could be in mountains. I could be doing all these different things. And I just feel very connected here. You know, that I think that there is kind of a great culture of, um, of just like people and families who are doing all sorts of different things and raising their kids and you know, great ways. And I don't know. I just love it here. I used to live out West and, you know, I would drive like three and a half hours to go to dinner. So this idea that we're like, (laughs) we can just like do so many different things and it's all so connected and there's so much like history and, you know, beautiful things all around us. I, I just love it. Yeah. hundred percent. I lived in Texas for a little bit. So same, like I did not grow up with access to, like you said, mountains and different states and beaches, like all within 45 minutes to an hour. Like it's It's really wild. It's really cool. I always tell my kids, I'm like, you just take this all for granted. Like you have no idea. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much for talking to me today. Truly. I feel like this is a message that I want our listeners to 
listen to and also start kind of thinking for themselves and processing um, and checking in, like we kept saying. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's one of my favorite topics and, you know, something I feel really passionate about. So I'm I'm really grateful that, you know, we got to sit here and do that today. Yeah, me too. Well, and a personal thank you for creating your account and creating graphics that resonated with me for sure and got me through many, many long nights of nursing. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Perfect. I'm glad to have done it. And I'm, I'm grateful for you as well for being there. <laughs> yes. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you got so much out of this episode. I know I did. And until next time, you are a wicked good mom. Boston Moms is grateful to this season's Wicked Good Momcast sponsor, Boston Ballet School, a leading dance educator empowering students to develop artistically, forge lifelong friendships, and most importantly, have fun. Visit bostonballet.org backslash education to learn more about the range of classes offered in our Boston and Newton studios.